0: Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Tim McKernan, alongside executive producer John Seymour. And today, we are very pleased to bring you an interview with former St. Louis Mayor Vince Shamel. And here is how I would summarize this interview as a tease, as we say in the broadcasting business for what you are about to listen to, um, I would describe the first half of the interview as some of the most fascinating and compelling um, conversation from him uh, on data points regarding St. Louis uh, that I have heard. As I told, uh, he asked me to call him Vince, so I'll call him Vince. Uh, I would say Mayor Shamel, but he said, Vince, call. I asked, I said to Vince, I said, this was like being in an incredible college course and just listening and learning, as John like once said on the Ryan Kelly morning after. Uh, I couldn't have been more just engrossed uh, by some of the data points he was, he was saying about St. Louis uh, and what has transpired over the last, I guess a lot of it went back to like specifically like 1970, but... Um, Just a lot of detail on what has happened and where things are now. And then the second half, I'm not going to uh, spoil it here, but we did get into uh, a follow-up on the conversation I had with former St. Louis County Executive Gene McNary regarding the St. Louis football Cardinals leaving the city and the details on that and uh, asked Vince if uh, he could corroborate Gene McNary's story on how it happened, Uh, he uh, politely disagreed and uh, then told his story for how he knew the Cardinals were going to leave the exact moment, and that'll be eye-opening to you, and then also two franchises he thought were actually moving to St. Louis, but then didn't wind up moving to St. Louis, and I suppose in one case, it was a a franchise he thought was going to move to St. Louis, and in another case, it was a franchise uh, that called him to begin the process of moving to St. Louis, and uh, I'll give you a deep tease in this capacity. uh, These two franchises have been two of the most successful franchises in their respective sports over the last 20 years. So, yeah, it's going to be quite an eye-opening moment when you hear these stories. I loved this interview. Uh, There really haven't been too many where I go, oh, I didn't really like that one. So I recognize it's like every one of these is like listing off kids and going, oh, I don't really have a favorite. This one was different in the sense that it was super educational and then also learning a lot about some recent St. Louis history. And then in a way, St. Louis sports history, we're not talking about on the field or on the court or on the ice uh, but the business of sports and how St. Louis related to it and learned all kinds of things. Uh, and then also, of course, even though he wasn't the mayor when the Rams got here, uh, some of uh, his thoughts on what transpired there. So loved this interview uh, with former mayor Vince Shamel. So the, the table has been set. Big time recommendation on listening to it. And really, so many of our uh, interviews, they're evergreen. I mean, so many of them are evergreen. Uh, most recently, uh, former county or uh, excuse me, St. Louis County prosecuting attorney Bob McCullough. have Governor Jay Nixon, former Governor Jay Nixon coming up, Joe Buck coming up. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you may podcast, uh, and these will just be sent to your phone. In addition to questions from the audience, uh, we do two podcasts a week: one interview and then one questions from the audience. And if you could leave a positive review, and if you like what you're hearing, I kind of feel like I'm almost like on Channel Nine, and I'm asking for sponsorship, but it's it's that's the reality of the thing. It is a business. And we're kind of in the early chapters of local podcasts. And uh, and so, you know, hey, it's it's a it's a grind to try and get sponsorship dollars on board, even though I get ridiculously positive feedback on the content. Uh, so people are clearly listening, and we see the numbers. Uh, email me, McKernan at insidestl.com, teammckernan at insidestl.com. Now, we have sponsors who have been on board from the very beginning, and they're getting their return, like Ryan Kelly and the home loan expertcom team. And Ryan and I were having a conversation, uh, and he said, the average household debt, credit card debt, is $16,000. I had no idea about that. It's a huge number. And unfortunately, with interest rates, it's almost set up that people might have the purest of intentions in getting out of credit card debt, but the system is set up, in particular with interest rates, that you can't. And so here's the way that you actually can, but you have to go from an outside-the-box perspective, and that is with a cash-out home equity loan. And you can do that with Ryan Ryan Kelly right now at thehomeloanexpert.com. And now you're going from whatever your credit card rate is, which is super high, versus the rate Ryan can get you, and now you have just changed the game for yourself for the better. He's online at the thehomeloanexpert.com. Get out of credit card debt, capitalize on the housing market surging and interest rates still being low. It's the perfect formula for you. Go to the com, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show, along with James Carlton, who has been with us from the beginning and very grateful for his support. Uh, much like Ryan Kelly, I've gotten to know James here since he started advertising. Ryan's been advertising on the show, uh, the radio show going back uh, years now. James on the podcast from the very beginning. And I tell people, I said, getting to be associated with with our audience is a great thing because our audience will support the sponsors. But from my standpoint, now that I've gotten to know a lot of these people who have started advertising on the show, I go, God, I'm glad that I've gotten to know them because they do really get it when it comes to their respective industry. And James certainly does when it comes to insurance. He's a state farm insurance agent. His agency is in Webster Groves. And you can call that office at 314-961-4800 and you know you're going to get A real human being, if you're calling during business hours, not automation, and you know you're going to get your questions answered, or if you want to make the switch, as you should, 314-961-4800, they do all the work for you. And so you're saving money, but now you have an insurance agent who is in your corner. And that's just, I think a lot of guys may get into it, and then they just kind of, okay, now I've got you. And then it's just kind of like, let's keep the business and grow the business but with James and he's not even my agent I just had a couple things pop up and I'm like oh you know we're on the phone about advertising but hey by the way and then he you know not only does he give me answers but then he goes into detail and sends me an email that it's he just he gets it he really gets it and he is a good guy who knows his business 314-961-4800 we're online at carltoninsurance.net Homeloanexpert.com. James Carlton State Farm insurance agent and Johnny Landolf Chevrolet uh, at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit and online at londoff.com, where I got my wife's car recently. Know the Londoff family and thank the world of them. Uh, can't recommend them enough. Uh, those are our sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. So if you love the podcasts, and based on the emails, a lot of people do. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a business, and uh, the sponsors make it possible. So please support the sponsors, or if you are a sponsor yourself, please consider advertising. On the Tim McKernan Show, uh, we would love to have you and continue to bring this content to you twice a week with both our interviews and then questions from the audience. So this week, as I said, former mayor Vince Shamel in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. So we were just discussing. You were mayor at 34 years old, which is something else. What were you doing? Did you have your eye on being mayor, like when you were in your teens or something?
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I got elected to the Board of Aldermen when I was 27, and I uh, uh, I like politics, and I like, I really care about the city a lot, and I I just felt uh, uh, that I had an opportunity to get elected, and so I went after it. Uh-huh.
0: And You ran in 1981. 1981, served until 93. That's a nice run, three terms. Um, When you won, what was the theme of your first
1: campaign? My slogan was for a proud St. Louis. Nice. And I used to tell people, I am tired of apologizing for St. Louis, and we're a great city, we've got a lot of great assets, and we need to... Stop apologizing and start bragging about who we are and what we have here. It's amazing to hear you say that because I feel like if someone were to
0: run in 2018, they could also use for a proud St. Louis.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what that says, but I tell you this. Now, of course, I was. We were just talking about how uh, I'm ab- about the same age as as uh, your your son Tim, and. So I can't recall specifically as well, of course, the 1980s, but I felt like St. Louis was in a better position in the 1980s than it is right now. I could be wrong. That's a feeling. Yeah. That's not data.
1: No, I think the the data is pretty clear that we were in a better place and we were headed toward a better place as the city proper. But keep this in mind. I mean, the city of St. Louis uh, cannot make it on its own and... There's all sorts of research done now, the University of Pennsylvania, the Brookings Institution, other places, that regions are going to be the things that are going to define economic centers of activity. I mean, you have cities now that have 20, 30 million people. Well, you talk about them being cities. We're not cities in the same way that the city of St. Louis is a city. Right. They, they, You know, I believe there are... I believe there are like 34 mayors in London. Now, I just heard the mayor of London on NPR this morning talking about uh, uh, the murder rate over there. They've had 74 murders this year, which is outrageous for for London. And uh, but he is the mayor that's elected citywide. He's the but they have all of these other small. Municipalities that have certain, um, certain powers, responsibilities, etc. And so it's really figuring out how you're going to galvanize the region of, of St. Louis, uh, into an effective organization that can compete in the world economy. And that's going to, it's more complex for St. Louis. I mean, you think about what are the hot cities in America today? Well, you got Miami and you got Atlanta and you got Boston and Denver and Austin and Nashville and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, San Francisco. What do they all have in common? They are all, their entire SMA, which, you know, the metropolitan area, is within one state. Hmm. And so when you go to put together your economic development strategy for San Francisco, you just go to Sacramento and you plug right into the economic development strategy for the uh, you know, for the state of California and you get support from California. In both Missouri or in Missouri, in both Kansas City and St. Louis, we're right on a boundary mm-hmm. with another state and we are both in competition. I mean, the amount of bad blood that was created over, uh, the NGA locating to North St. Louis instead of out at, uh, the, the, uh, Mid-America airport, it's palpable and it's cause, and those sort of things cause long-term damage. We've got to find a way to bring the Illinois side of this region together with the Missouri side. And we've got to, uh invest in whatever that entity would be, what I would call the commanding heights of the economy. So the aviation assets, the uh, marketing, the assembly of land and the marketing of land uh, to to bring in new development, uh, the marketing to residents. I mean, all those sort of things matter on a regional basis because I'll tell you, you go to Europe, you go to Asia, you go to China, any place. We're just one place. We're St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And they don't care that we've got 90 municipalities or that there's a river separating us from downtown St. Louis and, and St. Clair and Madison counties. They don't care about that. They're making decisions that are at a macro level. And we have to, prepare ourselves to play at that macro level. What do you think is a solution to, to, you
0: know, honestly when I have people in here and we were talking about uh, Mark Montevani who is running for St. Louis County Executive, I know you endorsed him uh, mm-hmm. recently. A lot of people talk about the city-county, the potential for merger, that's not necessarily Mark's position. Right. Um, but I haven't really heard talk about the quote-unquote by-state issue and I don't even know if that would be the proper right. way to describe it But I, I but when you bring that up Like, yeah, that is a, that's a real thing. Uh, What is a real potential
1: solution? Well, there are, there are regional, uh, what they call COGS, councils of government that are required under, I think, 1966 statute or something. Ours is East-West Gateway. And their governance structure is, is very healthy, I think, because they have all the local elected officials, uh, and then they have some regional citizens. And then we have the Bi-State Development Agency, and I'm on the board of the Bi-State Agency. And uh, Mayor Cruson and uh, uh, Steve Stenger have tried to get rid of the entire board because they're upset with some stuff. So, but in order to do that, they have to nominate people to replace us and send it down – To the governor's office. Well, they did that a year ago, and I'm still on that board. So that's not the right structure either. I mean, if I were the mayor uh, and I couldn't get somebody replaced on the bi-state board, uh, I'd I'd be quite annoyed about it. But the Bi-State Development Agency Commission is copied almost word for word off the New York, New Jersey Port Authority. Very robust, very Mm -hmm. powerful, Development Agency in New York, New Jersey. So I think one thing we need to look at is merging the bi-state development agency compact, which is very, has a lot of authority, but put it together with the governance structure of East-West Gateway so that you don't have, so that the local elected officials have real control Mm -hmm. over it. And then I would include some independent appointments from the governor of Illinois and the governor of Missouri, two, three people, with the idea that you would want the economic development director from Illinois and from Missouri and maybe the highway commissioners to be members of that that board as well so that we're plugging into the economic development strategies for the state of Missouri and the state of Illinois. We are historically... Located on a on a state boundary, we have to manufacture a vehicle that allows us to grow uh, with uh, without getting into the internecine debate of whether or not the growth takes place in Missouri this time and Illinois the next time. Whatever we've got to find a way to just make this region grow. That is a it's it's a great topic. It, I haven't heard it discussed very much, especially
0: versus what I feel has become. Uh, certainly discussed quite a bit. And I don't really know what was the impetus for it. I feel like the Rams moving played a large role in it, the MLS vote. Uh, Ferguson certainly was a a signature moment of self-examination for the region. But people, of course, have been talking about the city-county merger and then a lot of attention to all of the municipalities on that. Of course, you were the mayor of the city of St. Louis, so municipalities not necessarily at that point uh, something that you were involved in, but you obviously monitor the region very closely. What is your opinion on those two topics, the municipalities
1: and the merger? Well, I, I think there's... Uh, Monovani's position is, and I think he's right, and Charlie Dooley told me he's right, and a bunch of mayors from St. Louis County have told me he, he's right. I think a merger of the city and the county is not possible politically. I think... It may be possible to get the city to re-enter St. Louis County and become like the 90th municipality. We've, we'll have our, you know, our own balance sheet. We'll have our own financial challenges. Uh, you know, the county is not responsible for uh, the, you know, Webster Groves or Pine Lawn or any other community, and it wouldn't be under those circumstances. But there is a psychology. Uh, when you have a mayor who is sort of identified historically as the leader of the St. Louis region, and then you have a county executive, uh, you know, it's almost like you hear one thing from one person, you go to the other person to get a a, a different uh, opinion or a second opinion. You know, there there was an organization that uh, Al Cervantes founded back in the '60s. It was called uh, the St. Louis Ambassadors, and You know, we reignited it in 81 when I went into office, and, you know, it became quite successful. We had about a 1,000 members. Kim Tucci was running the thing, and it was uh, quite robust. And then McNary and I got in an argument about where the football stadium should go, okay? And... Up until then, Gene and I had gotten along very, very well, but a big major issue came up, and the business community wanted it downtown, I wanted it downtown, we made it an extension of the convention center, et cetera. But Gene started, Gene McNary started an organization called the County Counts. Okay, you got the St. Louis Ambassadors, now you got the County Counts. And it's almost like, if you think of the name, it was like, the county's important, Okay. And I think there's been that tension between the city and the county uh, for low these many years, and I think it's it's time that we get over that. That if the city were just one more municipality in St. Louis County, uh, it just makes it easier for us, at least on this side of the river, to kind of get along. The other thing I would I would point out is that you know we need leadership in this region. And, and it doesn't matter who the mayor is. It just doesn't matter who the mayor is. The city cannot provide leadership for the entire region right now. I mean, we've got too many financial problems in the city, too many issues around equity that just need to be dealt with. The school system is, is improving dramatically, but it needs to heal for a while. And so, I think for the next decade or two, you're going to see the leadership of this region. It just has to come out of St. Louis County. St. Louis County has got a million people. It's a, over a third of the population of the entire region. And there's an opportunity, and I, you know, I'm going to put in a pitch here again for Mark Montevani. He's a guy who can think big. He can see over the horizon a little bit. And he's the kind of guy who I think can pull the county together and really provide leadership for the entire region. Mm-hmm. It's not going to come out of the city because we got too much to do there just to stay afloat. And so it's got to come from the county. And I think Montevani is the type of personality that will see it and has the, has the leadership skills to bring people together. Would Mark Montevani, would his office have the ability to
0: create this additional municipality that is the city of St. Louis, what is the procedure for something that substantial?
1: Well, to bring the city back into the county, right. there's a procedure in the state constitution. Okay. And uh, you the county appoints nine people, the, the uh, governor appoints one, and the city appoints nine. And they come up with a plan and present it to the voters, and it's got to pass in both the city and the county. And that would be just as simple as getting the city to be the 90th municipality. In effect, the city would stop being a county. We are both a city and a county, and we'd get rid of the county stuff. But the biggest thing is that in both the mayor's platform and in the St. Louis County co- uh, executive's platform, these are all uh, soft skills. These are leadership skills. I mean, there's nothing in the county charter that makes the county executive the, uh, you know, the the person that calls the agenda together for, for the St. Louis region. Uh, you know, I, I was, in, you know, when I was in the mayor's office, I was pretty widely recognized as a strong leader. But there's nothing in the, in, in the city charter that gives the, the mayor a lot, of, uh, a lot of power. It has to do with the vision and the leadership skills of the person that's filling that role. And I think you'll find with Mark Monovani is that he's a guy that can see a bigger vision and can then articulate it and get people to follow him. I mean, that's what a leader is, is a person that can see what's possible and and uh, get people organized to follow that, that direction. I had some uh, older people in studio here and
0: had some conversations with them, Scott Ogilvie, uh, Megan green was in as well. I feel like right now the board of aldermen is quite divided. Uh, they acknowledge that as well. Some of it's rooted from something as simple and really kind of surprisingly almost adolescent in social media behavior. Uh, and then recently we had the discussion on the redo vote to reduce the wards. Mm-hmm. As you observed that, uh, what is or was your opinion as you saw that playing out?
1: I think reducing the size of the board of aldermen, uh, is a minimal step toward getting the city to start reorganizing its uh its financial status. I mean, we are we're in serious uh financial difficulty in the city. We've passed a couple taxes in the last year that I think will help, but I think getting the city organized so that it can can critically assess its situation and then have the wherewithal to be able to actually uh, implement the changes that are necessary. It's going to take some level of change at the Board of Aldermen. And uh, and uh, I fully support reducing the size of the board. I'm curious, because you were in the
0: trenches. I mean, you were the general in the trenches, for better or worse, whether mm-hmm. things were going well or poorly. Uh, that's the name of the game when you're the leader. You get the, the credit, perhaps sometimes too much, and you get the blame. Uh, even if you didn't have anything to do with it that's the deal uh, and i'm curious in your time in those 12 years as mayor did you
1: see things changing around you or in city hall uh, yeah i mean i look i took office on april the 21st and in 9 days i had to have the budget to the board of aldermen i laid off 1603 people in 9 days and I took the size of the city employment from eleven thousand three hundred and eighty seven down to about forty five hundred in three years, wow. okay it was tough it was very I would difficult. Imagine unpopular in many quarters uh, in many quarters it was unpopular, but then, after having reduced the expenses that way uh I was able to go to the voters and and get a vote uh, or a, a tax increase approved because they knew you know you can only do so much through through cutting, and we you know so, yeah, I mean, I felt like the city was on it on the right path. I mean this may not be an exact number, but when I left office, I believe there were four hundred and ninety three flights that left St Louis that day uh now remember t w a was headquartered here that didn't happen by accident. I was deeply involved in the merger uh, in, in Carl Icahn's purchase of TWA. I told him I'd help, but I wanted the headquarters here. Uh, I, I helped them acquire, uh, Ozark Airlines. I mean, we built a real hub here and, you know, I, I don't know the ins and the outs of the merger, but I could, it could have gone the other way. You know, TWA could have purchased American Airlines. It, mm-hmm. uh, just, it's, you know, and, and it has to do, I think sometimes with, the attitude of the civic leadership uh, that you can in fact impact what the business leadership does so I, I you know the, the point is is that I look back on my 12 years in that office and yeah we lost a little bit of population, but most of it was due to the shrinkage of the size of the households in the city, and that's just that's a demographic that we pretty much leveled out the number of occupied households. Here's an interesting little factoid. I just did this the other day. With the number of occupied households that we have in the city today, if we had the same size of household, uh, number of people living in a household, as we had in 1950, we'd have 570,000 people in the city today. Yeah. Wow. And that's, but that's the impact of, I'm one of 11 children. Oh, are you really? And so... You know, we had a pretty we had a pretty good nose count in the house <laughs> in 1970. By 1980, it was my mom and dad and my younger brother and sister and that was it, yeah. you know. So, you know, there's sometimes there are macroeconomic trends that you can't do anything about. But here's here's the reality. Since 1970, the entire St. Louis region, not the city, not the county, but You know, Madison County, St. Clair County, St. Charles County, and others, we have grown zero. There has been no additional movement of people into the St. Louis region. People talk about how fast St. Charles County is growing. St. Charles County is simply the spillway for this region. People are leaving the city for the county. They leave the county for St. Charles County. St. Charles County on paper looks like it's growing. It's not growing. It's just yeah, it's growing as a subset of the region, but the region as a whole is in paralysis. And we need to put together some thinkers in important civic leadership positions, and I think Montevani's one of them, who can galvanize the rest of them and get to thinking about things of this nature. I mean, you can, I think this between 1970 and today, I, I think the United States population grew by over a hundred million people and we're the same if we had just kept pace with the national uh, with the national population growth on a percentage basis I believe we'd be about 4.8 million people in the San Louis region today that makes this entire conversation a different conversation so then my question
0: is and and, and again you were in the trenches for 12 years of it and obviously are still uh, in tune with what's going on, I'm sure plenty of people are listening and going, that's fascinating information. Their question would be, why hasn't there been growth?
1: Well, I think there is no one whose job it is every day to get up and say, okay, how am I going to get 50 people to move to St. Louis today? What am I going to do to get, you know, RCGA, the regional chamber, they focus on getting businesses here, okay? Uh, The Convention and Visitors Commission, they vote on or focus on getting conventions and visitors to come here. But it's no one's job to look at the overall health of the region, and I would argue that's because there's no one entity whose responsibility it is to see to it that, the entire region grows, and it's entirely different. By the way, we'll have all kinds of problems 20 years from now when this is all turned around and St. Louis is growing rapidly. We'll have all kinds of problems managing growth. But managing growth and managing decline are very different things. You would have never seen in a growing environment, you would have never seen this argument between Illinois and and Missouri over where the NGA goes. They got 2,000 acres over there at that airport. You know, and, and just picture this. You need on each side of the NGA building, you need a clear span of grass, okay, on all four sides, 500 feet long on each side for security reasons. You know, don't, don't want anybody creeping up on you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... That's one and two-thirds football fields Mm -hmm. on every side of that building. I mean, nobody's going to go out for lunch. Nobody goes out for lunch that works down there now. You go through three layers of security. That, except for the fact that the city was in such desperate shape, we would have agreed to put that over there. That's where it makes most sense. And, by the way, the one thing I'll tell you we're going to have more of 10 years from now than today is going to be spies, and the ability to grow uh, in the location where they're going is going to be severely limited. And so we we made a bad decision, but we made that bad decision because we are so desperate for growth. If we could figure out how to get together and really talk about how are we going to grow the region, and then what properly b- belongs where. I mean, this is a national security uh, asset. And it could have been on the grounds of one of the most important uh, Air Force institutions or uh, in- uh, installations mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And instead, we're kind of forcing it into a neighborhood that has a lot of other options if it's if we were in a growing environment.
0: Why it did have have and did so many companies move out of St. Louis over the last 30 years? What was the cause of that, in your opinion?
1: Uh, you know, I don't think that it's that we've lost so many. There have been mergers. Right. Okay. And believe me, for a long time, St. Louis was the beneficiary of a lot of mergers. Uh, we've gotten into a world economy, uh, where you got a Monsanto that's a world footprint and bear that's a world footprint and, and in May company and, um, uh, I forget the name of the company that bought them, but uh, that could have gone either way. I mean, it's quite possible that bear could have uh, or could have been purchased by Monsanto. It's quite possible that uh, in fact, I believe the May company should have been the surviving company in, in, in that merger. but I think a lot of it has to do with the local attitude and the in the local, the image of the local community worldwide, it would have seemed odd to many people in Europe for Bear to be acquired by Monsanto because, frankly, you know, if it weren't for the Mississippi River and, and uh, uh, Tom Sawyer, there wouldn't be a lot of people that had ever heard of St. Louis. We don't do a good job of projecting a world image. And, uh, you know, so I look at this now, and you know, I mean, I got, I got almost forty years of perspective after having been elected mayor. I, I see it a lot more clearly now than I did back then. It's interesting. A lot of what you're talking
0: about is is attitude, is psychology, and I do feel like there is almost a self-deprecation when one talks about being from St. Louis.
1: A lack of I go confidence. back to I go back to 1981. My slogan for a proud St. Louis. I mean, I I used to say it then, and I say it now. I'm tired of apologizing for saying it was a great city. We have serious problems. Uh, we have serious equity issues. But every city's got problems, and you know, if if we focus on everything that's wrong, uh, we're never going to have the chance to manage the growth that will come when we start focusing on what's right. And you did talk about it.
0: it was almost it kind of just part of a conversation that in 10 20 years when we have growth it wasn't even a case of if we get this right if we, you are sounding bullish on the next decade 20 years is that correct yeah. Is so yeah odd. i i look
1: i think there is a a widespread sense that we got to do something differently and if that means that we got to take some risks that we wouldn't take over the last 20 years we got to take them We've got to figure figure out some key questions. And this is not going to get solved uh, uh, with just the city and the county. Yeah, we're the center of gravity of the region, but we're not the region. Mm-hmm. And we need to find a way to present ourselves to the world. I mean, about the only time we count the people that are in Illinois is when we want to say we're 2.8 million people. Mm-hmm. Okay? The reality is is that we civically have to make some investments there. When they were talking about the new football stadium, I was for putting it in Illinois. I wanted to put it in downtown East St. Louis, use it as an anchor to create a new reality there. I mean, if you did that and brought along the sort of like ballpark village investment that could follow on, I think that would have made a lot of sense you know i i just think we have to stop thinking about well it's got to be downtown it's gotta it ought to be you know in fact i think downtown ought to expand its downtown inc ought to expand its boundaries and include east st louis because downtown is never going to be the center of this region again if we don't bring back east st louis and the illinois side of the river i mean it's just you're we're not going to be this redeveloped uh, entity on the eastern edge of a region that continually is is spreading west.
0: You cited uh, a number of cities that are experiencing growth, obviously some world-class cities such as San Francisco, but cities that 20 years ago, when I was first starting out in television, Austin was the 60th market in the country. Uh, it has grown exponentially. Right. Nashville, you also cited, but those, of course, as you made reference to, In Texas, in Tennessee, are there other examples of cities that you have seen turn it around that do have the St. Louis slash Kansas City border issue that can be used as muses, so to speak, for for getting this right with the bi-state question?
1: Well, before I answer that, let me go to the two cities I followed intimately when I was in the mayor's office were Boston and San Francisco. We were very similar all through the 60s, uh, all through the 50s and 60s. San Francisco's 42 square miles, we're 63 square miles, and uh, and Boston is about 38 square miles. It's bigger than that if you look it up on Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. but that includes the harbor, and so it's hard to know. They have about 38 miles square miles of land. I said acres, I meant miles. San Francisco in 1950 was at about 16,600 people per acre or per, per mile. Boston was about the same. I think there were a little less. St. Louis had 13,600 people per square mile in 1950. Okay. So, and I always kind of look at it like you got three top tier cities, New York, Chicago, LA, and they each have sort of a lifestyle historic, uh, echo city. And you got San Francisco to LA, you got, uh, Boston to New York and you got St. Louis to Chicago and i mean if you look at the cultural bones of st louis uh the fox theater st louis symphony hall all the other theaters that that are down in the grand center area where i used to work i mean these are these are serious serious assets in a in a community and we just don't we just don't promote it the way you know the way it should be promoted in a uh, in a community like this so i looked at those cities and i, I can almost tell you the day i became a regionalist hmm. i used to get the cross tabs to the uh, census uh it comes out about two years after the census is finished it was on a saturday in april of 2002 i was sitting in my study they had come the week earlier they used to print them back then you know hmm. and um I'm sitting there, and I, where's San Francisco? Was at seven hundred seventy-seven thousand people, as I recall, and they were thirteen point one percent of their regional population. Uh, Boston was at five hundred eighty-five thousand, almost their uh, nineteen fifty population, and they were thirteen point two percent of their regional population. St. Louis had dropped to 348,000 people, and we were at 13.3% of our regional population. And it was like, duh, of course, this isn't a city problem. This is a regional problem. The region isn't growing. And of course, we've got all these municipalities competing with one another to give tiffs out and bring this retail establishment here, there, or the other place, because there's no genuine growth. And absent genuine growth, you create artificial competition. And that's where we're
0: stuck. Yeah, it's interesting. That's what Mark Montavani, when he was in here, uh, Vince said. He said, we cannibalize each other. Uh, You know, Washington Avenue has great success for a period, but it was at the expense of the landing. Right. And Ballpark Village experienced great success, but it was at the expense of Washington Avenue. Right. It was moving around as opposed
1: to growing. Because because we, we have no growth. And so... I. You know, and it's because Mark just intuitively gets that, that's why I'm supporting Monovani because he understands what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. There has to be a strategy that builds this region to the benefit of everyone in the region. Otherwise, all that is going to happen is we're going to be intensifying uh, our internal competition.
0: I'm curious what your perspective is on this. This is something I observed when I was in the category and now at 41 years old, I guess I would be on the outside looking in. I feel like so many young people who go to school, whether they go to school at the University of Missouri or they go to college somewhere else, they don't come back to St. Louis more often than not. They'll go to Chicago, Denver, whatever the case might be. And so oftentimes we lose our best and brightest. We're almost like a triple-A team
1: for some other cities. Is that something that you see? Yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, retired, what well, he used to be the mayor of, uh, Chesterfield's named Jim Brassfield. And, uh, he used to be a professor at, um, uh, 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 Webster University and, and Jim's volunteering in the Montevani campaign. And he sent me some statistics the other day at my request, uh, And what we're losing are exactly the people you're describing. We actually have more immigrants coming into St. Louis than we have uh, people leaving. And by immigrants, I don't mean foreigners necessarily, just people moving from Chicago and, you know, Denver and whatnot. Births over deaths. Okay, we're doing quite well. What we're, where we're losing is our number of people departing. Especially between the ages of 25 and 40, the people in that age group that are departing so far outnumber our our immigrants, people moving from Denver, right. Chicago, and whatnot. That that's what's causing the stagnation. You know, the the Business Journal hired the University of Cal- of uh, Virginia to do a study for the next 25 years, 2015 to 2040. What is the growth rate going to be for the 993, I think is the number, uh, metropolitan areas in the United States? We're going to grow at 0.8% by their projection over the next 25 years, cumulatively, not percent, not annually, cumulatively. Kansas City is going to be uh, at 16%, so about 20% higher than us. Wow. Uh, Indianapolis, I think, is going to be about 32% or something. And, and you can't survive in that kind of an environment. You just won't survive. And so, uh, you know, we've got to look to our civic leadership, our business leadership, our elected leadership. These guys have got to do something about it. And, and uh, you know, the evidence is there the thing that uh, the that brassfield sent me just stunned me is the how apparent it is if we could just if we could just hold on to our own we would resume growth overnight i mean if, if people just stopped yes. leaving so one of the things i think we've got to do as first order of business is figure out why are they leaving you know montavani tells a story about he and 11 of his friends at St. Louis, yes, U.S. yeah, he told that story. They called themselves yeah. the
0: posse. Yeah. And I think one is left, maybe his kid. And that's it. Yeah. And the other few of those kids that listened to the interview and have emailed me and explained why right? they left. Yeah. And they're all over the place, not just like Chicago or Denver. They're all right. over the place. I think it's because I'm theorizing here. This is you, you bring hard data here and I love it. This is great stuff. Uh, I feel like in your 20s, you're like, yeah, it's not. Not a lot of social opportunities, not growth. I can live in Lincoln Park in Chicago. Or I can live in Denver. Right. It's young. It's energetic here. But my wife and I, I mean, I'm 41. She's 34. And we go out to dinner. And if we don't get to a place by 830 on a Saturday night, it's starting to close up around here. And that is really just yeah. odd to me. But that's mm-hmm. that's our reality. Yet yeah, We're in Las Vegas or Miami. We can go to dinner at 11 at night. And I don't know what how to fix that. I just am observing it. right? You know?
1: And those all, I think, become part of the conversation about, and I'd love if you could share those emails uh, when people explained why they left. I'd love to see those.
0: Absolutely. But
1: I think we have to understand that, look, what we're trying to do is fix a problem without understanding it. So the first thing you got to do is have a county executive that understands there's a problem and has spent his life solving problems. I mean, what we have to do is understand the nature of the problem. The nature of the problem is not that we don't have enough money to buy trash trucks in the city. We'll figure that out. That one, that one we can handle. What we need collectively is a vision that says, you know why all the 25 to 40-year-olds are leaving is here, 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 and mm-hmm. here. So how are we going to address that mm-hmm. problem? Is it getting a group of restaurateurs in certain districts together to understand, look, here's the hard data. This is why people are living, and here are the people you can market to. I think a good part of the problem is that nobody aggressively markets St. Louis. I mean, nobody is on social media uh, aggressively selling the points that uh, we do in certain industries. uh, In in the tourism industry, the CVC does very well. I, I think in... Companies that are looking to relocate, I think we do a pretty good job of reaching out to them. I don't think we're closing at the rate we would be if we had a a better reputation.
0: Yeah, You mentioned uh, how supportive you are of, of Mark Monavani. As you look across the region, and I'm asking because I'm legitimately curious because clearly you're uh, very plugged in, do you see some other people who you see as potential leaders of the region just for our audience's sake so they could become aware of him because i don't know if it's a, a credit or a disservice but a lot of people after they heard mark on the show they go i didn't even know there was a county executive election coming up but i heard him and i loved what i heard him saying and this isn't like some campaign for mark Montavani. Mm-hmm. steve Singer's is welcome to come in here as well and i know our producer john seymour is trying to get him in but it made them aware so that's sure. why i'm asking yeah i,
1: I think mark kern uh, over in St. Clair County, uh, has been county exec there, or they're called county board chairman. Uh, I think he has a vision for what East St. Louis could mean to the region and uh, and what the what the air airport Mid America Airport could represent. I don't know the new county chairman in Madison County very well. I've had lunch with him only one time. I was impressed, but as I say, I've only met him one time. Out in St. Charles County, we have uh, probably the the most accomplished historian in, who holds public office uh, in the in the state of Missouri. Uh, Steve Ailman has been uh, uh, well; he, he was a state senator. He understands that level of government, and, and he's been the county exec out there. I think now for I think he's up for election. I think this will be either his third or his fourth term, so he's got a lot of perspective. He's a very smart guy, and every time I'm in his office, he says, you know, look right out there, and he points across the river. That's St. Louis County right there. He said, you know, it's it's across the river, you know. So, and he gets it, you know, I think the city's going to be preoccupied for a while, as I've said, with just the mechanics of running a city. It's going to take a good while to get things sorted out there. So I think the leadership has got to come from Mark Montevani in St. Louis County. You know, uh, St. Clair County has lost population. Madison County in Illinois has lost population. St. Charles County is, I described as sort of the spillway they're growing, but they're only like 350,000 people. St. Louis County has a million people. And, you know, when you look around the region, you say, where does it have to come from? It's got to come from the guy that represents a million people and probably the fastest growing uh, uh, business base in the in the region as yeah. well, just by given the amount of geography. I, I imagine when people listen to this, Vince, they're going to go, boy, this guy, he
0: knows his stuff. This is great to hear. Uh, it's good to hear somebody who is bullish on, on the region. And growth uh, being so uh, important, of course, here over the next 10, 20 years, and going, well, what, where did, where did he go? You know, I mean, you were you were you were you were there for three terms. I'm, a lot of our listeners are in their twenties, thirties uh so may not remember i remember i think you actually came to my i grew up in south city mm-hmm. and i think you knocked on our door and i answered the door and i go Oh my god the mayor's at the door and sometimes <laughs> i think i imagine that did you go door to door oh and, sure Did sure. You? all right yeah. so yeah you yeah. did it so you got it you understood what you got to do <laughs> yeah um but you ran for the plan was to run for governor in
1: 93 92, I, 92 I ran in 92 i, I lost a car in, in the primary in the primary How close was that race? Right? Uh, I came within a couple million votes, giving Mill mil, a political weapon of his life. That's out of language. It was uh, it was horrible. Uh, uh, what but, went on?
0: I mean, I'm sure you look back on it, and it, well, I mean, a popular mayor in St. Louis. Is it just tough to to reach out state? Is that what it gets down to?
1: Uh, Gene McNary had run for governor, uh, I think, four years before me in the Republican side. Uh, he said, "Vince, St. Louis is so resented. Don't do it." Uh, Tom Eagleton tried to talk me out of it. He said, Vince, you I can tell you 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 run for senator, run for but don't run for governor because the rural communities are highly dependent upon the the state government for direct services mm-hmm. and 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 he was talking about things like agriculture and highway uh, uh, maintenance and things of that nature that, to us, mean fixing a uh, uh, an interstate highway intersection or something. To people in rural Missouri, it's get, being able to get their farm products to market. Mm-hmm. And he said they just take a different view of the governor's office than they do of anything else. And he and he said so. He tried to talk me out of it. I was too hard headed. I didn't. I lost badly. And and then I went into private business for a few years. And then in two thousand and one. I went to work uh, uh, running uh, the Grand Center Redevelopment Area uh, around the Fox Theater mm-hmm, and the, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, uh, Symphony, et cetera. Did you, when you look back on that, 92,
0: do you go, know, I wish I would have gone the senatorial route? Or, or I mean, what, what if you could go back, especially since you were getting this yeah. council, which I, of course, wasn't aware of, is that is that
1: what you well, have, I,
0: thought maybe that would be the play?
1: I don't know. I mean, I... Uh, I enjoyed making decisions. I'm not sure I would have been very effective yeah. as a United States senator. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I'm not that passive. I, I uh, And, uh, I, you know, there's an old saying in politics, you know, your friends come and go, but your enemies accumulate. <laughs> and so after 12 years as mayor, you know, I, I had a lot of people that didn't like me. And they weren't all wrong. I mean, after 12 years, you can't get everything right, you know? And so, you know, I just felt it was time to move on. And, uh, you know, I've talked to my son Tim about that. He said, you know, in retrospect, he said, you know, I think it was a good thing you didn't run for a fourth term because, you know, it was as painful as it was to get, you know, I mean, I'd rather get beat the way I did. I got beat two to one in the governor's race, okay? I'd rather get beat that than by. Fourteen votes to right? go through what Al yeah. Gore, for example. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, so my, uh, you know, uh, so I look back on it. I had fun doing it. I love public policy. Uh, I love these public debates. Um, uh, you know, but I I do it from the sidelines now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I see somebody like uh, Mark Montavani, who I believe can make a real difference, I, I dig in pretty deeply to help out. You mentioned Gene McNary. You mentioned him running for governor Mm -hmm. in 1988, I gather. Um,
0: He was in here uh, maybe a couple months ago, and we talked about the Cardinals moving and the circumstances that went on there. So take me through that, if you would, what you recall about your dealings with Bill Bidwell Mm -hmm. and, of course, also with, at the time, County Executive Gene McNary and how that played out.
1: Well the day i i knew that the cardinals were going to leave was about actually two and a half years before they actually left but i was in a conversation with the some people from civic progress the major companies in town and we sort of did the broad strokes of what deal could be put together and then i went and met with bill bidwell and I laid out that we could do this, we could do this. You said you need this, we'll do this, we'll do that. We get to the enemy. of that he said, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. He said that. He said, now, one caveat. I'm not going to allow any beer to be sold in the stadium. Okay, now, I didn't mention any names as to where the money came from, but he knew where the money was coming from. <laughs> uh, and And... I said, well, okay, well, I'll take that. But I mean, that was just, that was a condition that had never been mentioned before, but he, he just, he didn't want to be here. And, uh so when he told me that there was going to be no beer sold there, that's when I started looking for another football team. And, um, uh, you know, I got an option to purchase the new England Patriots and, uh, I assigned it. I paid ten dollars for it. And uh, where do you get these? Yeah, you well, get it was these online. Somewhere? A long, complicated story. <laughs> and there was a guy named Fran Murray that yes, had bought I remember Fran Murray was part of the the co-op to try and get right. the, the expansion team here. Right. What, seven years later, eight years later. And so, so the plan was that we get the New England Patriots, and the the NFL could not meet their TV contract obligations if there wasn't a team playing in New England. And so I got this option from Fran. We then, uh, I gave it or assigned it to a guy named Jim Orthwine, who was one of the anheuser Bush family, had plenty of money, and I think he bought it for $68 million in 19, would have been 91, I think. So the day I leave office... As I said before, there were about 490 flights out of Lambert that day. And the New England Patriots were owned by a St. Louis citizen. And there were four expansion teams coming up. Now, you would think that somehow that gets sorted out. They, he didn't want to move the Patriots. They the NFL didn't want him to move the Patriots. He just wanted a team now when you say he just wanted a team, he, who he, he? He being Jim Orthwine. Okay. He just wanted a team. Jerry Clinton was his partner. Mm-hmm. We had worked out some stuff in October about how they would split that ownership. I was still in office in October. I left in April. And I don't know, about 60 days before they awarded the expansion clubs, Jim Orthwine sold the Patriots to uh to craft and then we didn't get an expansion team and i don't know uh, jim's deceased i i i never talked to him about it i never asked him what happened i was out of office it was none of my business at that point uh but uh we should have had an nfl team that would have been locally owned and we'd be fine oh my
0: gosh this is just like when gene McNary was telling me about the cardinals now, I have so many questions out of this. So specific to the expansion, if I'm not mistaken, the plan initially, and you were still in office, I, I gather, was to announce two in one day, I think, and then they wound up announcing that Charlotte got the Carolina Panthers, right. but then there was going to be a delay to announce the second team. The perception, and again, I was in high school. I remember being right. in politics class in St. Louis U. High the, the day of the second one. And our uh, teacher had taken us down to court. And I remember the attorney saying, on this day, when St. Louis gets an NFL expansion team, and I'm going, wow, he's really playing to us high school kids here. Uh, But it was thought to be a foregone conclusion that that St. Louis was going to get the team, not Jacksonville. But the perception was that that time was allotted by the NFL for St. Louis to get its house in order because they wanted to be in St. Louis. But then they couldn't get the house in order, and then Jacksonville got the team. You're telling me that is not accurate.
1: No, uh, I I don't know exactly when the decision got made, but the football stadium was financed. The state was committed. The county was committed. H. Milford had taken the uh, football tax on hotels. He had taken that to the voters in St. Louis County. We had already passed it in the city, and the state legislature had already passed it. So the state put in 50%... um, the county twenty five percent, the city twenty five percent. That's for the stadium. Mm-hmm. That's all in place. The the construction is. Uh, I mean, uh, when I
0: say St. Louis in order, I mean maybe the St. Louis ownership group, not St. Louis. Like there was an issue with Jerry Clinton and Fran Murray, was
1: there not? I you know, again, there was an issue with uh, with uh, Jerry and and uh, Jim Orthwine, but I sort of I thought sorted that out in October in 92. I Mm -hmm. left in April of 93. So in October of 92, I'd lost the primary. I had announced that I wasn't running again. So I wasn't really in the middle of all the talks Mm -hmm. at that point in time. I figured, you know, Jim owns the Patriots. They'll get this thing sorted out. So I don't think there was any question as to what the ownership was going to be. It was going to be Jim and Jerry, who were the two guys that had put money in. There had been a question about who was going to control the majority interest for a period of time. I, I was in a meeting where that got settled at Chuck Knight's home on, uh, on an, in an evening in October before I left office. I thought that was all settled. And I don't know exactly when they announced Charlotte. But uh, it was my recollection. Charlotte
0: was first, and then Jacksonville was the jaw dropper. Right where they right it was Jacksonville over right. St. Louis. Right now, you're not in office at that point, if I'm not mistaken. That's my yeah,
1: my recollection is I wasn't there, but still,
0: I, you're observing it, right. especially since you had been involved right. in it. Were you
1: stunned when you? Uh yeah yeah I was I was stunned when we didn't get one of the first two right. You know I mean they either didn't believe that Jim would move the team or they. They were annoyed that maybe that was an unspoken threat, uh, but I would have thought they were going to be one of the first two. And because you're already out of office, you
0: did you ever have any dealings with Georgia Frontier and the I Los met her,
1: Angeles Rams? Met her a couple times, but no. I yeah. mean, I went to I went to a couple football games in her suite. Yeah. That's pretty much it.
0: The, the, I think some people look at it and go oh, that clause in the lease, and I know you weren't in, but that allowed the Rams to leave was just... It's crazy.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. That's a a direct way and concise way of
1: saying I tell people very often I'm proud of the fact that I financed the stadium, but I'm more proud of the fact that I didn't sign that lease. (laughs) You know.
0: Uh, I mean, that thing. Now, Gene McNary, so this 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 is something I've been anxious to talk with you about. He tells a story that he was getting ready to meet with you, I believe, down at the MAC. He was heading down for a meeting with you. Everything was in place, and then you got a call from some of the big guys in the city of St. Louis, I guess Civic Progress, perhaps, and they told you, Vince, if you want to continue with your political career, you're not going to sign off on this stadium being built out at where Riverport Amphitheater wound up being built. Is that an accurate recollection of, of what wound up taking place that led to the Cardinals moving?
1: Well, no. <laughs>
0: All I, right, but concise yeah, answer.
1: <laughs> but I, I, I have to tell you that uh, I never considered the uh, the stadium out at uh, Riverport or wherever it was, unless it did not have a lid on it. In other words we we didn't want anything built that would be competitive with the convention center and so i you know early on and pretty much everybody was okay with this you want to go out there you want to build a football stadium it'll you'll have a few concerts during the year and you'll have you know a few football games and you know that but that's not going to make you competitive with the uh and that this by the way was very early on mm-hmm. I, I mean, after and that kind of got blown out of the water by, you know, they couldn't they they couldn't do the development on the on the Missouri Riverfront without the stadium being competitive. It had to have a lid in order to be able to be competitive for, because they needed other events in order to justify. Right, the and whole he thing.
0: was talking about, and I was reading an article and at one time uh, attempting to buy the Blues from Harry Ornest. Uh, in 86, if I'm not mistaken, and when Gene was in here a couple of months ago, he said, yeah, I was talking with the NBA about bringing a team as well. And I said, really? And I said, what team was that? And he said, I am not. I don't remember the team, but I remember being in New York talking with the commissioner. He goes, I think it was the Spurs. I thought, wow, the Spurs, that's really different. Do you recall any NBA discussions?
1: The night before we closed on the Blues, I got a call at home from the owner of the Spurs. Oh, my gosh. And he said, don't do this. Don't do this. I'll bring the Spurs up there. I said, man, I got <laughs> I got bankers, I got lawyers. We are closing at ten o'clock tomorrow. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I you my know God. You know, if you'd have called me three months ago it could have been a very different thing, but you know, not today. So I want to finish with this one question
0: and that goes back to your meeting with Bill Bidwell. Because the perception regarding The Rams is that Stan Kroenke, once he exercised his right of first refusal over Shad Khan, they were headed to Southern California, period. Now, I've had a conversation with Kevin Demoff. I spoke with him quite a bit throughout that whole process. And I said, when he did that, you knew you guys were moving. He goes, no. He goes, I know people think that, and that's fine if people think it. He goes, but the truth is we knew we were either going to get an incredible deal because of the lease from St. Louis Or if not, we would have the ability to move because of the lease and get a great deal in that capacity by putting it in in the number two market in the country. With Bill Bidwell, what the revisionist history at the very least has been, Vince, is that he wanted to stay here, but that St. Louis, the city and the county, couldn't get it done to keep him here. And what you're saying in that meeting, if if he's not going to allow beer to be sold, yeah. I mean, he's creating a self-fulfilling prophecy of that team
1: exiting. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Bill didn't want to be here. Why don't you think he wanted to be here? Uh, it has to do, I think it has to do with some personalities. I mean, if you know Bill, he's not a big, robust personality. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the uh, corporate attitude of St. Louis. At the time, I mean, there was—I uh, don't know how else to put it—he he didn't feel loved, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was Was it because
0: uh, love was going toward the baseball
1: Cardinals. Well, they were owned by Anheuser Busch, right. you know. You got, yeah. you got, you know, and then you got Bill Bidwill, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, and they're different personalities, yeah. and they bring different things to the table, and. You know, overall, I think the community and the community leadership, and I think the fans, looked at anheuser Bush and the Cardinals as... The baseball. Com- yeah, baseball yeah. Cardinals as a combined entity that was giving to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. I think Bidwell got, became viewed as a guy who was trying to extract something from the community. Mm-hmm. And you start off at very different places mm-hmm. when... You know, you're owned by Anheuser-Busch, and you're putting a great team on the— I mean, I was in 12 years, took them to the three World Series. Yeah, you
0: did. You took them—I like that. Them. You took them to the three World Series. So, it wasn't Gussie Bush, yeah, it wasn't Whitehead, right, right. so it was Vince Shane. Well, now that's right. on the record. <laughs> right.
1: So, I mean, so you kind of look at at those comparisons, yeah. but when when everything's said and done, I mean, if Bidwill had wanted to stay here, we'd have found a way to keep him here. Yeah. But, I mean, I sat in that in that room— And I heard him say that. And I, you know.
0: I can't even believe he
1: said that. Well, I know. And I went, you know, I reported back to the group that had been put together to try to put the team together. And I said, you know, here's what he said. Make of it what you will. But what I make of it is that we got to start looking for another Another team. team. Yeah.
0: So did you know you were always not even fighting Phoenix? In St. Louis, we always knew at the Rams it was fighting L.A. Did you know Phoenix was the. Was no. the other woman, so to speak, or you just knew he just wanted to go? Yeah,
1: yeah. I just knew he wanted to go. And, and, uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that talked about the fact that this guy, Fran Murray, had, had obtained an option to buy the New England Patriots. So I called him up, you know, for, figured out how to buy the option from him. And, and, uh, It was a big, long contract. You know, somebody could write a book about it if anybody cared enough. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I might be that guy. I'm kind of fascinated by this. So we could have had the Spurs, the Patriots, the St. Louis Cardinals, and St. Louis Blues. That would have been uh, something else. Wow. Vince, I have enjoyed this conversation. I I almost feel like, and I mean this as a compliment, I feel like I was back in college just learning. I mean, I really do. It was absolutely fascinating, not only, of course, about the recent sports history, very frustrating also, but but uh, about the uh, the data you bring to the table and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will enjoy hearing it as well so thank you so much Very for your time thank you all appreciate right. it so there you have it former mayor Vince Shamel i enjoy, i just i loved that interview and i have to hear here's some transparency not that it's really all that fascinating but just to give you an idea uh i came into it and i'm kind of like I, I think we i think we recorded on a monday morning sometimes i'm not necessarily on my game on mondays and i was you know, I'm like, I don't, I've never met him. Well, I guess I did when he came to our house on Vienna in South City. uh, And I was like seven and he was campaigning. So theoretically, by definition, I have met him, but I haven't met him in my adulthood. And I didn't know him and I didn't know what we we're going to go into. And, and very candidly, if you go back and listen, not that you would have any reason to do so, his first couple of answers were kind of brief. And I'm going, oh, we might, we might have a situation uh where he doesn't really feel like going into some of the detail that I'm used to when we have these conversations. And then we got going, and I just loved that. I mean, it's so so smart. And not just opining, although I want opinions, but also backing it up with data. And then the anecdotes on what I think is probably going to be the main takeaway for people from this, um, at least sports fans, and understandably so, on Bill Bidwell saying, yeah, I don't want to sell beer at the new stadium. Uh, Then the New England Patriots? Like, that was happening, and then the night before the Blues deal, the owner of the San Antonio Spurs calling Mayor Shamel and saying, leave a spot for us, don't do this deal, we want to come to St. Louis, oh my God. I mean, just, I mean we're just, just playing out the hand for the hell of it, but if something could have been worked out, and it sounds like based on Mayor Shamel's story, which is, as he said, different from Gene McNary's story, that... Uh, Bill Bidwell just did not want to be here, so you had a Cronky-like situation. Uh, but let's just say somehow it could have gotten worked out that the Cardinals stayed here. A new stadium is built in in where around where Riverport is now, uh, or Hollywood Casino Amphitheater is now. You get the Spurs here, the Blues stay here, and you have the Cardinals or the the baseball Cardinals, of course, or the football Cardinals do leave, and you have the New England Patriots, the Spurs, the Blues, and the Cardinals. And and one of the main themes, I felt like there were two main themes throughout the course of that interview with Vince Shamel. Uh, Number one, his passion for Mark Montavani as St. Louis County Executive. I knew that he endorsed him. That's all I knew going into the interview. And I feel like he brought him up, God, like five times. And that's how strongly he feels about Mark Montavani. And me as the host, I just want to make it clear that this is not the Mark Montavani campaign show. We've extended an invite to Steve Stanger to come on, so I want to make that clear. But I certainly liked what I heard from Mark Matavani, but I also like the chance to to talk with Steve Stanger and and get his perspective. Point being, I try to give equal time and equal perspective. That's my reason for bringing it up, but he's clearly passionate about Mark Matavani. Also, the psychology of being proud of St. Louis, as opposed to, I don't know if I would call it self-loathing, I used the term in the interview self-deprecating, and I don't even know if that's the right term, but not being apologetic about St. Louis to visitors or when you're visiting somewhere else and saying you're from St. Louis, Uh, and then that sets a tone, and I think there's something to that. It really gets down to, is it chicken or egg? You know, uh, give the people something to be proud of, and you'll have pride outside of giving a standing ovation for a, ground ball to the right side of the infield that advances a runner from second to third with less than two outs. Uh, There's there, there's that, but it sounds like he, he is bullish, maybe for the same reason I am on St. Louis over the next 10, 20 years. Uh, And, and, and people have maybe heard me say that and then they go, why do you feel that way? Well, part of it is, is in a sense, you know, game theory in that if you see a, stock that everybody's selling you buy and then if you also think the stock is kind of bottomed out you you buy from a value standpoint so it's not like I'm sitting here saying I think st. Louis is gonna turn into Austin Texas and what they've done over the last 20 years but um, I do think that over the last four to five years there is now a recognition that there is a problem and in order to start solving problems you first have to have an acknowledgement that there is a problem. And that might sound awfully abstract, but I can picture it and I can and I and as a host of a radio show and I'm working in television now almost for 20 years in the market, I, I, I know the change. I see the change, I hear the change and that's a positive, that there is a recognition. Uh, I would say that I think there is he talked about a need for leadership. I do think there's still a void. And I'm very anxious to see what happens in the St. Louis County executive race, um, because certainly Mark Montevani is coming at it from there needs to be change. And listen, I'm not looking to become uh, governor or U.S. senator or anything. I am in it to run as the St. Louis County executive. And that's it, because it's got to be fixed. And, you know, he kind of says, I did well for myself in his my career. I don't need to do this. I want to do it because I see a problem that I think I can help solve. Uh, but that needs to also take place in the city. It also needs to take place in St. Charles. It needs to take place in the Metro East. Um, and I think people will respond to leadership. But if there is a glut of leadership, then nobody's really leading. So I enjoyed that part of the conversation, in addition, of course, to the stories about the football Cardinals, the New England Patriots, the San Antonio Spurs, uh, the Rams, the Lease, and uh, just really loved the conversation. And And I liked it because I think maybe – I learned a hell of a lot, and, uh, and I went into it going, oh, I don't know where we're going to go with this one, and then wound up just getting so much out of it. So I hope you felt the same way as well. Uh, thank you to thehomeloanexpert.com, to James Carlton, State Farm Insurance agent, uh, and his agency, and, of course, Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet online at londoff.com. For John Seymour, producer of this fine podcast, I am Tim McKernan. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the thehomeloanexpert.com studios.